Going Greyhounds for your daily update of the latest news and tips. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Going Greyhounds for Tuesday, October 24. My name is Kat Ernst and joining me to discuss all things greyhound racing for the next half an hour on Sky Sports Radio is Jared Daffy. Good morning to you, Daff. You're coming to us from Warrnambool this week. I am, Kat, yes. I've uh, come down to see my dad, so um, I've left, left the goal or had to get up from the from bed on Sunday morning, I think it was, at quarter to four. It was 20 degrees, and I've landed in Warrnambool. It's going to be a maximum of 13 today. How do you think I'm travelling? Yeah, I we discussed this on the phone earlier, and I said I thought <laughs> you might like the nice, cool change, but, uh, yeah, the no, humidity in kid, Queensland. Not, no, not anymore. No, those days are gone. It's too cold for me. I can't wait to get out of here. Well, heading back up to Queensland this week and things are heating up down there or up there in Queensland. Of course, we've got the Ipswich Cup heats on Thursday night. Uh, before we get into the show, just touch on the series up there this year because uh, it, yeah. $150,000 to the winner, Group 1 status. Um, not many interstate, well, no interstate visitors for it. Uh, probably a little bit disappointing for... Uh, promoters and racing Queensland, but one of the locals is now going to be very happy. You're right. Uh, uh, you know, it, a lot of Southern trainers that I'd spoken to over the last two or three weeks weren't really aware uh, of the huge prize money on offer. You're right, $150,000 to the winner of the Ipswich Cup. It's a staggering amount of money. And Ipswich is one of those tracks where you've got to go around two or three times, uh, either trial or race, and it just, you know, it just got left too late. But I would have still thought that uh, there'd be a few sneaking over the border from New South Wales or or maybe even WA or Victoria. But having a look through those heats yesterday, uh, that's not the case. And, of course, the big draw card was going to be J is J. Uh, Mick Samet sort of alluded to us last week. He'd probably go that way in preference to the Top Gun. So, obviously, the Top Gun's on the menu. We, we will have Mick's brother on a little bit later in the show, so he might be able to update us there. But even the past Members' Cup now, uh, it's over the 6.30 metre course. Uh, it's normally just been a best of, so basically a free-for-all. They plan to have four heats this year um, w- with a viewpoint to perhaps some of those uh, New South Wales stars or Robbie Britton, et cetera, coming up. There's none of those. There's only three heats. So all in all, I think it's pretty disappointing, but as you quite rightly point out, it does give the locals an opportunity to, to get amongst the, the big cash on offer. Now, back here in New South Wales, the feature events this week are at Goulburn. We've got the Goulburn Cup worth $40,000 to the winner. Mm. We'll just touch on those heats very quickly before we welcome in our first guest. Uh, Zipping Novak claimed time honours. He was absolutely brilliant off the inside. And another one that was particularly impressive was Nangar Larry. Really hit his strips, straps for Team Lord last week. Probably has taken him a while to put his best pause forward for them. But um, if last week was any indication on where he's at, he's going to be a force to be reckoned with in the final. Yeah, and of course, the Lords uh, had three of the heat winners into the final. Gee, it's some sort of a race, isn't it? Uh, and one hot bandit drawn out where he wants to be out in box eight in the final. He was a little bit fortunate to, to avoid a big scrimmage in his cup loop, uh, but we know what he can run. You're right about Nangar Lowry and uh, Zipping Nova. Uh, they set the clock alight, both of those winners, and, and coin model. Uh, defeated Nangar Jim, as you would know, in the other heats. So got a really, really good final there on Friday of this week. It's uh, one of those races where you're looking at it, genuinely any of the eight dogs could win. Uh, one of those who's going to be a rough chance once the market comes out with Tab is Scorching Boy, and we might listen to his replay running second behind Zipping Novak. 
racing. I begin beautifully zipping Novak and he'll run to the early lead from Bandit Bullet. Then comes Little Bit Rocky Waradjuri Jack midfield was Scorching Boy Coco Model and the last pair has Ability Country Roy. Into the horseshoe goes zipping Novak by three or four to Bandit Bullet trying to chip away. Then comes to the outside Scorching Boy but around the carousel comes zipping Novak and he's well clear. Zipping Novak wins the last. Bandit Bullet second. I reckon Scorching Boy third. That was Scorching Boy finishing, actually finished second behind uh, Zipping Novak and makes his way into the final this week. $40,000 awaiting the winner and joining us to have a chat about the excitement of making a big feature race final is trainer Jess Fothergill. Good morning to you, Jess. Good morning, Ken. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are the nerves this week? Obviously heading into a big one. You must be pretty excited. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm very excited. Um, yeah, first group final. So, yeah, no, I'm very excited, a bit nervous, but um, yeah. Same plan, working in that for the week. Like, you know, <laughs> nothing's changed. <laughs> now, just tell us the Jess Fothergill story. You, you know, we see the name, but uh, exactly where are you? How many have you got? And what's your background in greyhound racing? Um, I'm down at Wagga Wagga. And oh, me and my partner, Clint Koliakovo, we've got about oh, 14, 15 in work. And then we have some young ones coming through and stuff. Um, we breed a couple of litters a year and um, train a few for some people and but a lot of our own dogs. Um, we own this boy, and yeah, I've been bred into the greyhounds. My dad, Brian Fothergill, um, he has a few greyhounds he mucks around with, and um, yeah, I've been in, in it since I was a kid, and he yeah, always wanted to be a greyhound trainer full time, <laughs> and um, yeah, now here I am, still doing it. <laughs> well, this boy, he's been very consistent. He's won the 10 races from 30-odd starts. Talk us through how he came to be in your kennel and uh, the ride he's taken you on so far. Yep, well, um, we da- we own the bitch, the mum, the breeding, Shannon Allen, and um, we done a breeding deal with one of our good friends, Shannon Ellis, and, um, yeah, we got most of the pups in the litter, and he was one of them, and um, he broke in later than the rest of the litter because he actually got ill as a pup, so he was broken in a lot later, but he showed ability, and then um, he switched off a bit chasing, so he had a few chase issues, which has been a bit frustrating, but, um, and then, yeah, no, he's just seemed to put it all together lately, and... Yeah, no, he's gone well. And, yeah, he can run a bit, but um, it was a bit underdone going into the heat the other day. I was um and um, do we go in, do we not? Because he fell last start at Wagga, and it was about a month ago in the Million Dollar Chase semi, and he hadn't had a lot of work since. So I was like, oh, do we, do we not? And he rolled the dice. I thought if he draws well, we'll give it a crack, but I didn't expect him to go that well. So I think it'd be better for the run this week. I'll tell you what, you're right about the fact that he can run a bit, Jess. I saw this dog. Uh, win one of those heats at Wagga. He ran down Dundee Rebel running 30 and 10. And on the same program, Kelsey Bale won the other heat of the Million Dollar Chase running 30.03. So he's clearly got an engine. Yeah, yeah, no, he does for sure. But um, he's a bit frustrating. Like um, a lot of times when I go and race him, like I took him down to the meadows, side unseen, he come out and run 30.05, running a super race, running second, run it, trying to run idolized down. But um, you can't trial him because he won't go around on his own. <laughs> he's a real competitive dog. Okay, when you say he won't go around, he just won't go? No, he'll go about oh, the first split and come back and wag his tail at you. <laughs> but um, in saying that, he wouldn't chase a drag or and whatnot, but I've been doing a lot of work with him, and yeah, now, now, he, now he actually chases the drag. So I think he's starting to switch on. But he's more competitive, like he's a real competitive race dog. Well, it's a testament, <laughs> it's a testament to you guys that you've got him where he is because, as I just said, 10 wins, 13 placings from 35 starts. Nearly $30,000 in prize money. He's been more than handy for you guys. Um, what's it like having a dog like him now that 
I suppose you're willing to do a little bit of traveling with and pursue these races. Yeah, no, it's great. It's a, it's a, it's a real good thrill. We actually own his brother, Blue Demon, who's, um, he showed, um, ability from the get go and we sent him down to Jane Yenis to be trained and yeah, he goes around the city and that with him. But, um, yeah, I always said, I reckon this boy was as quick as him, but he's just a little bit frustrating. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, it's a massive thrill. It's, um, yeah, it's just so enjoyable. It's what you wake up to do and like, you know, you just love traveling with, you know, a handy dog. <laughs> He, uh, yeah, he, is a, he is a good dog, Blue Demon, but speaking of travel, you have a look at the CV of this dog. It's been like the Leyland brothers. I see you even snuck out to Broken Hill there in April. Yeah, yeah, we're up there. Yep, we're up, oh, my partner went up for a road trip up there and took him. And he's, he's run some pretty quick times. Um, you know, he's been around the Meadows, as you say, 30.07, Sandown 29.64, but he's even been... Uh, the Shepherd and one there in 22.03, so clearly he can put it all together when he when he turns it on. Yep, yep, he can. He's a little bit tardy early, but um, it's, once he hits the ground, like he just has a finishing burst. Um, yeah, I, I think he could probably get 600, to be honest, but yeah, okay. stick him around the 500 for now, <laughs> 450, 500. <laughs> now talk us through the final this week. A tricky draw, what do you make of it, and uh, what chance do you realistically give him heading into it? Oh, a bit of a roughie, but um, maybe a bit of luck go our way, I think. Like, I think it all depends on what happens early and going into that bend and, you know, they'll shuffle around a bit. I prefer, I would have preferred to have been drawn off the track a bit because he seems to like to go around dogs and a finishing burst, but it's going to be tricky from the five. Um, Larry's got a bit of, you know, early toe, so he'll be, hopefully he doesn't, you know, shuffle me out of the race. But, um, yeah, no, it's going to be tricky out of that draw, but he'll be, he'll, he'll be given it a good hot track but yeah there's a lot of good dogs in there <laughs> yeah it's a good feel what do you do with him after golden jess um well he had hydrobath and he's um yeah just been kept in the lead a bit he had a hit out this morning he worked a treat on the drag so um yeah now i'll just keep him quiet and um yeah just on the lead from now to friday and last one from me just describe what you think it's going to be like if he does happen to have some success on friday how exciting will that be for you and clint Oh, it'll be a massive thrill. It's going to be, you know, it, it'd be great, but um, I think it'll take a little bit to sink in. Like, yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah, it'll be, it'll be great. <laughs> it'll be, you know, one for the battlers. <laughs> well, he hasn't had a lot of starts, and he's not quite three years old yet. He's not three until December, so he's still got plenty of racing ahead of him, Jess. So I guess you'll just cherry pick some of these, some of these future races around New South Wales. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think after this, he'll go. To, um, we'll go have a crack at the Wagga Cup, like um. That was the original plan, and well, actually, the original plan was have a crack at the Golden Cup, and I thought, oh, is he good enough? Is he not? And then, you know, I kind of rolled the dice, and Wagga plan was in the back, you know, to always get ready for that after he'd done that great run at Wagga. But um, yeah, yeah, so that'll be that'll be next, and then I guess we'll just yeah see where we we'll go next with him. <laughs> All right, well, thanks for your time this morning, Jess. Uh, you're in it, as you say, you're going to be one of the roughies. It's a really, really good field. Yeah, uh, of sprinters, uh, sprinters assembled there, but we know the dog can run, so. Fingers crossed he can run some sort of a race there Friday, but more importantly, going ahead, uh, you're in the winner's circle coming up. So I'll keep an eye on your dogs, and hopefully we're chatting to you again soon. No worries. Thank you. And good luck to you too, Kat. I see you've got a runner in as well. Thanks, Jess. It'll uh, it'll be a good race. Hopefully we both get around yeah. safe, and a little bit of luck would be nice. Yep, that's the main thing, get around safe. But good luck. Thanks, Jess. But just on uh, Nangar, Jim, You've got a, you've got that runner in the final there on uh, on the Golden Cup. What do you make of it? 
what do you think is going to lead? Because that appears to be the key to the race. Yeah, it's going to be helter-skelter there towards the first turn. Daff, um, after he qualified, in my mind, I was just thinking he's obviously just going to need the fence. Um, I don't mind him drawing off the track, but um, just given the abundance of speed in it to be a chance, you sort of thought, well, you really want to draw down towards the fence because we saw what happened last week when uh, the bitch of Andy Lords booted up underneath him. He just couldn't quite clear and it made it very tricky for him, but yeah. um, he was able to tough it out and qualify. So that was the main thing. So he's got box two this week, brings him into it, uh, just needs to do everything right. Hopefully he can ping the lids like he did last week and put himself into it because as you say, uh, the key to it is to be towards the front and if he can get towards the front, if they happen to shuffle up behind him, you probably only need to run around the 24-5 mark and uh, that'll that'll get you very close to it, which I think he can do. Yeah, the box draw definitely favours one one hot bandit. You know, he'll be the big improver time-wise, but uh, you know, he, he won't want to be giving them too much start either. No, definitely not. I think... As I said before, genuinely any of the eight dogs can win it. It's such an even lot. You know, um, I don't think that there's any dog in there that probably can't run around that 24-4, 24-5 mark. So, um, yeah, it's it's a lot's going to rely on luck early. Mm. Okay. Uh, well, all the very best to you. And obviously uh, the other runners in the Golden Cup on Friday, always one of the great races on the calendar. Uh, we'll take a short break, and after that we're going to catch up with the legendary Tony Zammett. Derby Day Race Day at Aquas Bow Desert is back with a bang. Saturday, November the 4th, presented by Pride's Easy Feed. Don't forget to wear your black and white, full tote and bookies facilities, plenty of bars and food available, plus live entertainment. Enjoy the ultimate in country racing at the Country Luncheon for $80 per person. General admission tickets, $10 per person, with children 17 years and under, and concession free on the day. Gates open from 10.30. Get your tickets now from bowdesertraceclub.com. How good is the bull? You've heard about it. Now it's time to find out for yourself with Ambassador Travel. All roads lead to Warnable in May for three action-packed days of racing action with some of Australia's premier jumps events like the Grand Annual Steeplechase and the Gallywood Hurdle as well as the Wongoom and the Warnable Cup. Plus you'll take in the Great Ocean Road, Port Campbell National Park and the unmissable 12 Apostles. Book now to avoid disappointment and create a lifetime of memories. Call Ambassador Travel today on 07 or visit ambassadortravel.com.au. On Sky Sports Radio, let's get back to going greyhounds. And away. Val Policella, fourth away. Box eight, hidden agenda races forward tonight, as does Select Moment. Into that first turn, whooshing across is the roughy Amandola. Amandola will lead them a merry dance by two and a half lengths early to hidden agenda, who goes to second. Select Moment is third, up the inside is Emerald Eyes to fourth. Fifth in is Val Policella, standing this leader up about six lengths, so still has plenty of work to do. And about ten lengths away is spot on Harper, make a twelve at the tail. Back where they started. The leader at this stage is Select Moment. Getting to the lead from Hidden Moment. Val Policella at them three wide in a heartbeat from Emerald Eyes and Amandola at the turn. The Black Flash Val Policella hit the lead. She's Malta Benny alright. Look out Sydney. Our numero uno's heading your way. Four lengths from Select Moment will get second. From Hidden Agenda third. Fourth goes to Emerald Eyes. That was Val Policella winning at Albion Park a few starts back and she now goes to Ipswich this Thursday night for a heat of the past members trophy. Joining us to have a chat about her chances as well as a few others from the kennel is trainer Tony Zamek. Good morning to you, Tone. Yeah, good morning. How are everybody down there? 
Yeah, we're very well. Thanks, Tone. Let's get straight into things talking with Val Policella. She's been in absolute ripping form. Last start, third in the Sydney Cup behind Zipping... Oh, sorry, not last start. Two starts back, third in the Sydney Cup behind Zipping Vanessa. You must be absolutely tickled pink with how this girl's going at the moment. Yeah, her form's been very good at Albion Park. She's um, handled the 600 well. She's stepped up and handled the 700 uh, impressively, uh, winning all her starts before she went to Sydney. So... um, She's uh, in great form at the moment. And, um, yeah, I was keen to give her a go at Ipswich for the past member's trophy. But, Tony, she had the two runs in Sydney. And be fair to say she had absolutely no luck at all. And you brought her back for the, the 600 at Albion Park last week. And, again, no luck just going down narrowly to Bogey Hurricane. But you'd think getting back to uh, to her home territory there at Ipswich, she's got the red box. She's going to be mighty hard to hold out on uh, Saturday, uh, Thursday night. Yeah, she she hasn't won a race at um, 600 at Ipswich. She did win a maiden there in um, early in her career, but uh, in the low grades when I first started over 6.30, she was still very green and experienced. So I'm hoping now with the more experience of racing over six and 700, she'll be a lot better from the one box there this week. It, um, yeah, it was good to see the club get three heats for the feature race. So it's... Um, it's a good good draw for her, box one. She hasn't drawn box one very often, but um, certainly she might be able to make good use of it. You touch on her past racing at Ipswich being a little bit green, but it's fair to say now she's seasoned into a real nice little stayer. She's uh, just about to turn two and a half years of age, had 27 starts, 14 wins and 11 placings, already earned over $100,000. Um, just looks like this next six months is going to be really really fruitful for her, doesn't it? It does, yeah. I, I'm sort of looking at her races. If you look at her run the other night, even at Albion, she hasn't got the early speed, but she always finishes very strong. So I guess you always got to rely on that little bit of luck early when when they're sort of run-home type dogs. So I'm hoping the one box might uh, be a little bit of a help for her this week in the, uh, in the heat. She's by Shimmer Shine. I mean, there's there's a lot of them around now. I think most people would be surprised that Shimmer Shine would throw a stay at Tony, but she's uh, he's got a few around now. Yeah, that's right. It, it it doesn't really. I guess it doesn't always matter the bloodlines of size and that. You know, it, if if they're going to throw a sprinter or a stayer, they'll they'll throw one. And um, you often see that with litters of pups. You might see one real good one run over six hundred and. Another good one will run over 500 or 700. So it's a bit different to horse racing where you only get one foal. With greyhounds, you get six or eight or ten pups and, and they can mm. all be different in a, in a litter with their, um, with their performances, yeah. And just a quick comment on this girl's owner, uh, Sandro Bacini, before we get into your runners in the Ipswich Cup series. Um, no doubt he's absolutely over the moon with how this girl's going. I know he's wanted a, a good stayer for a long time and he's finally got one and how fitting that she's named in honour of his father as well. That's right, yeah. Um, he um, uh, was introduced to me by Darren Leeson, who uh, who owns Deferrin that's in the Cup Heats, and um, he told me that she showed sort of staying potential when she was breaking in, so I was real keen to give her a go for him. And... Um, Oh, he's a very, very nice man, and everybody, everybody in Sydney knows him. Everyone you talk to say they're so happy to see Sandro get a good stayer. So um, 
hopefully if he makes the final, he, he may even come up for the final at Ipswich. Tony, before Cat goes through your runners in the heats this week of the Cup, are you a bit surprised at the lack of depth, um, particularly in, the, in the, the sprint, but also the distance? There's, there's no southerners. No, well, I I thought that may happen because you've got you know you've got feature races coming up in Melbourne with the Melbourne Cup, and you've got Ipswich is a very tricky track to handle. Um, mm. I don't know if you noticed Palawi King there last week and. Uh, uh, the other two dogs he brought up in the 500, they seem very lost on the track. And I noticed he didn't put Palawi King in that um, uh, feature race this week. And I think that might have... Ipswich is very tricky. So I had a feeling we may we may not get as many interstate dogs as what we would say if the race was at Albion Park. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, and, and it, it is a track you need a couple of runs on to, to get the best of them, and time's often a problem with, with good dogs, with, with so many good races around the country, um, getting time to go and trial and prepare for some of these races um, makes, it, makes it a little bit difficult for trainers. And, and, um, but even in saying that, we've still got seven good quality heats made up of a lot of quite good local local sprinters as well so it, it, it certainly hasn't lacked in depth from a local perspective Nah, just on Palawa King I don't know whether many people picked up on it but he bounced off the running rail uh, when he got to that first turn uh, on Saturday not uh, Saturday night Thursday night whenever it was and he yeah. kind of uh, it looked like he lost stride and he just uh, hopefully uh, he hasn't picked up anything major but maybe that's the reason he's not going around this week but uh yeah, it's yeah. a tough place to win that first up, isn't it? It is, yeah. Like, you know, even the dogs that I've got in the heats, I, I took them back and trolled them all there last week because they they hadn't been there for a while. So I, I thought to give them every chance, I I um, I went back and, and I noticed a lot of the trainers, so I've been there the last few weeks with dogs, but I noticed a lot of the trainers that have got dogs in the heats made their way back to Ipswich, giving them either a box-to-box or a post-to-post um, Okay. Just to familiarise themselves again with, with the Ipswich circuit. Now, just touching on your runners in the Ipswich Cup heats, you've got three. Deemed a liar has drawn box one in race six. Deferrin drawn box five in race seven. And Go Bing has drawn box two in race ten. Uh, just talk us through their chances, Tone. Um, Deferrin's obviously been your kennel star for a long time, had a stint down here in New South Wales, uh, returns to you having not raced in a while. I know he had a, a little injury concern, but... Our reports are he's trialling well in preparation for this series. Yeah, well, Deferrin's actually, he's, he's been a very good dog at Ipswich. He probably handles Ipswich better than he does Angle, uh, Albion Park. And um, although he's got box five, he's, he's had a good record from box five uh, in his career. And he has got a real quick one on his outside in Magistrate. He's, um, he's a dog that can run very quick early. And he's also got um, uh, sister-in-law and brother Michael's dog, another chance in the seven outside of him. So there's a bit of speed more to the outside in that race. So um, I'm just hoping he he doesn't crash to the rail. He goes straight. So I'm hoping he may may use his um, track sense to, to go straight towards the first corner. At, um, that's, that's probably... 
his best chance if he does that. And what about Team Delire off the red and Go Bing off the check, race 10? Yeah, well, Go Bing, Go Bing's well drawn in the two. She does she does use the rail, and she's done a bit of racing over the 600, and uh, she's gone well over the 600, but she, I just gave her a little bit of a break. Uh, it just kept her fresh to bring her back for the Ipswich uh, Cup. So I'm hoping she'll use box two to her advantage and stay on the rail. At least I know with her she'll be very strong at the end of the race. And last one from me, Tone. Just uh, a quick word as well on JSJ. I know trained by your brother and sister-in-law, Selena and Mick. Um, you were down at Wentworth Park when he won the Million Dollar Chase. You must be pretty proud of your brother there and what he happened to achieve on that night and uh, what a win it was for Queensland as well. Just a quick comment on uh, how the families responded and rallied around the Zamets after Millionaire Mick's win in the Million Dollar Chase. Oh, look, it's amazing. Yeah, he, I said it's not Group 1 Mick anymore. It's Million Dollar Mick now. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, he, uh, no, Selena said, no, he's still million, he's still Mick Group 1 Mick. And she said, what did she say? And I'm still Selena. Oh, I think dropped laughing and she said that. And, but I, look, what amazed me so much was the amount of people in the crowd when I was down there, the amount of people cheering for Queensland. Like, even even people had their little flags that they have at the State of Origin, waving them in the grandstand. Like, there were people there that I reckon came out for the night because there, there was a Queensland dog in that final. And, and so many of them were cheering after the race and during the race for... Um, for the Queensland representative, so it's it's become quite a um, yeah it's become quite a good type of a uh, I guess um, state by state series with the representation that the race has attracted since it started and and you know I mean I've been involved in the game for 40, 46 years and you know I would never have dreamed in a lifetime that we'd have a race worth that sort of prize money for greyhound racing it um it's more prevalent in horse racing and and it's it's made you know it's made greyhound racing stand out internationally now with that race and um no and you know and for mick um he's he's sort of avoided the ipswich cup and i would imagine he would get an invite to the top gun winning a race like that so um, I, I'd imagine Mick might be maybe concentrating on on that, and uh, but he's got good representation in the Ipswich Cup with All Natural, who's a little brother to to JSJ. It's got a lot of early speed and um, inevitable. Uh, so he's got a bit of representation there as well. So yeah, I just hope he gets an invite to the the Top Gun and does Queensland proud down there. I was going to ask you about JSJ because we did have Mick on the show last week, Tony, and he sort of thought he was going to head to Ipswich, but obviously the, you know, there's a carrot there with the Top Gun, but, and of course you've got the Phoenix, the Melbourne Cup, and then the Australian Cup after Christmas, so there's plenty of races on offer there now, and I guess uh, Selena and Mick want to take the opportunity to be putting him around down there. Yeah, well, it's, with any sort of race, in, you know, wherever you go, when you're racing against top quality dogs, you've always got to give the dog a trial or two on the track, and I guess you've got to span your preparation out to, um, you know, to be ready for those sorts of races. And I guess knowing, I know there's a short list of about 20 odd dogs for the the Top Gun and the Top Gun Stayers race, but 
you know, I I would imagine he'd be on the top of the list winning that race. So I guess he may sure. be looking at that, looking at that opportunity to possibly uh, send him down there to trial or go down there and, and give him a go. And, and like you say, you've got the Phoenix, Melbourne Cup. There's other good races on down there over the um, over the next couple of months. So um, it's going to certainly uh, be great to have some Queensland representation down there. Most certainly. Now, Tony, before we let you go, obviously, you know, I've uh, uh, got a little share in Adulate. He's been on the, or he's on the sidelines for a couple of weeks. How long before we see him in action again? Oh, well, he, yeah, he's slightly into, the, slightly into the toe when he was at Wentworth Park the other day. So I've just got to get the, a bit of bruising there and, and um, probably a couple of weeks. I'll, I mean, the spell won't do him any harm. He's been up for a long time. So mm. uh, having a bit of a break will be good for him. And then uh, freshen him up and just bring him back, bring him back to Albion Park um, when, he's, um, when he's ready. Because when they have a bit of a spell, you've got to give him a few weeks work running back up the straight to toughen him up again and then possibly a short trial before you start him. So, um, yeah, well, I can't I, wait I can't for that. Really, yeah, I can't. I don't really like putting a time limit on it. you just got to see how they go from week to week and then work it out from there. And, um, yeah, he's been, a, you know, without without winning a major race, he's been very consistent with between the 500 and 600. Unfortunately, I was, I was thinking of that Hume Cup in Victoria, uh, over the 600, but um, that just put that plan at bay with um, with um, Wentworth Park, and um, I'll yeah. gradually get him back up to to racing back up here. Well, we've had Park a lot of fun first. with him. We've had a lot of fun with him. The dog nobody wanted, and he's won 19 races. That's why you're one of the master trainers, Tony. Oh, look, he's he's, he's been a marvelous dog, and he's, he's got a he's got a Absolutely beautiful, um, beautiful nature. He's, he's, uh, that's my granddaughter yelling out to me. She's, she's here. And <laughs> get she's off the phone, the door. Pop. Yeah, get out the phone, Pop, and take me to the kennels. She loves coming. She's 18 months old, and okay, she, she loves sitting in the kennels with the greyhounds and playing with them. And whenever she's here, she always, she always grabs him by the hand, takes me to the back door, and and heads over. Wants to head over to the kennels. So. Um, Yes, Dylan, I'm coming soon. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I haven't been able to make a greyhound trainer out of my three daughters, so I've got to um, got to work on the grandchildren now. To yeah, work on them. Work, work on, on them. them to keep keep the name going. And um, so uh, I've um, I take every opportunity when we when we've got the little ones here to um, have them with the greyhounds, and um, and they they love them, and the, the greyhounds love the kids as well. Terrific. All right. Well, good luck on uh, Thursday night with all of those runners, in particular Val Policella. She's an absolute star. She's going to be mighty hard to beat Thursday night and also in that final Thursday week. And hopefully we can catch up with you again soon, Tony. Thanks for your time. No worries at all. Any time. That's great. Yeah, good luck to everybody in the heats next Thursday and uh, hope we get a, a great final there for the following week. Thanks, Tony. All right. See you. There he is, Tony Zammett, of course, uh, brother to Mick and brother-in-law to Selena, who had that success with JSJ in the Million Dollar Chase. Uh, good trainers, Cat. Yeah, absolutely. The Zammett name is synonymous with winners up there in Queensland and absolutely carving it up at the moment. So really looking forward to seeing what they do over the next six months. Yep, time for a short break and Ron Arnold on after the break. 
Skipped breakfast. Adrian Bott, you'll be in the mounting yard area after the last. Empire of the Sun blaring, and you'll be there with the trophy, just going nuts. Crowd surfing. <laughs> if we're lucky enough to pick up the race, I'll make that happen. <laughs> yes, thank you. We've got that on tape. The Big Sports Breakfast, weekdays from 5.30 on Sky Sports Radio and Radio Tab. Feel the thrill of world-class racing. With $10 million to be won on James Squire Golden Eagle Day, gather your friends for a feast of street food pop-ups, award-winning dining, fashion competitions and live DJs. James Squire Golden Eagle Day, November 4 at Rose Hill Gardens. Book now at theracers.com.au. Sick of cheap bloodstock insurance that doesn't deliver? HQ Insurance offer mortality policies with superior features, including life-saving surgery cover, agreed value, and all with HQ's renewal extension clause. Visit hqinsurance.com.au for more. Be sure, insure with HQ. On Sky Sports Radio, let's get back to going greyhounds. Racing, Jessica Casey, Dwelton missed it. Call Me Casey crossed over November Sunset, charging over. November Sunset leads Call Me Casey, Coven Miss into the first corner. Jessica Casey's railing, then Trisha Glee, followed by Iceni Princess, Southroad Sin and Lively Monarch. Down the back, November Sunset, the front runner. By four lengths to Call Me Casey and Jessica Casey, Coven Miss and Southroad Sid. November Sunset in front. Here comes Jessica Casey. Jessica Casey absolutely flying and Jessica Casey wins the big one. Jessica Casey, great performance. South Road Sid or Call Me Casey for the miners. Then November Sunset. I see any princess Coven Miss and Lively that Monarch was, was one of the Casey last... winning the 1992 Group 1 Golden Easter Egg and of course trained by John Finn and yesterday we had the very sad news that John had passed away at the age of 81. An absolute icon of not only training here in New South Wales but across Australia and Countless champions trained by John and his wife, Minnie, over the years. Jessica Casey, Rapid Supreme. History lesson, win some dollars, win some Charlie. Irinka Barbie, Poco Dorado. And, of course, in the last few years, he's become synonymous with uh, the Zipping Dog, Zipping Kyrgios, Zipping Orlando and Zipping Vanessa being some of his recent uh, kennel stars. And I thought it might be nice, Daph, to uh, speak to Ron Arnold, who is the MC at Wentworth Park and um, a bit of a history buff in New South Wales or New South Wales Greyhound Racing and has no doubt handed over plenty of trophies to the Finns over the years. So good morning to you, Ron. Uh, some very sad news for the industry here in New South Wales. Yes, good morning, Kat. And uh, look, certainly, and, and just hearing that replay, I stood there at that presentation 31 years ago and you remember those sort of things, how special it was because the egg had only been going about three or four years by then and uh, it's certainly something that you know even people like John Finn never knew how big it was going to get to but just winning it was so important to them and look it, it certainly it is I, I love coming on the program but to be honest with you Kat talking about John is, in the circumstances just so hard because he's achieved everything in greyhound racing and what he is uh, you know what he has done with the greyhound is just incredible over all distances ages he just he has had the eye for the dog. He could look at a dog and say, he's not quite right, that dog, or his back's not right, his left front leg, back leg. He was just one of that rare mould. We've had a few of them over the my sort of 40 years. There's been a few that have fitted that, but it's um, it's something that's, you know, again, in the, all three codes, the, the older heads of the TJ Smith and Bart Cummings, we're not necessarily always replacing them just as easy. And... Uh, you know, John Finn's memory and performances will live on for many, many years. 
You're right about that, Ron, and I, I suppose we forget. I can remember Jessica Casey as well, what a star she was, but you have a look through uh, the, the many articles and comments that people have made over the last 24 hours about the good dogs that he had, and, and you just sort of forget, like history lesson, rapid supreme, I rink a Barbie, but to, to in this day and age, the, the industry changes so much, and I, I guess the way that you train dogs, Ron, that to be able to train a winner like Jessica Casey 30-odd years ago and still be able to do it in this day and age takes a bit of doing. Oh, it certainly does, Daphne. And, and look, I, I have the privilege, a part of my job is to introduce those, certainly let's talk about Group 1 races, those dogs onto the track. And I don't know how many has been in that 36 years I've been doing it at Wentworth Park, but call it 100. I can guarantee you that probably 85 of them I've introduced a name, Jay Finn. And yeah. it doesn't matter what distance, whether it's the 700s or the 600. And a great example was a dog like Orinka Barbie. Um, went over the distance, become a marvellous greyhound, and then she hit a bit of a patch for about a three or four starts where just things weren't going right in the races. And, you know, you sort of wonder, what's going to happen here, John? And next thing, she just appears in a 500. And, of course, she was a free-for-all dog. She's up there with the best of the speed dogs. And you think, goodness gracious, this is going to be a task. Up go the mm -hmm. lids. She pinged and led all the way. In those days, 30 dead was a big run at Wendy, and I think she ran 30 and won. And you sit there and go, only John Finn could see that, that she needed that confidence to get speed in the legs again. And then all of a sudden she went back to back to stardom over the staying ranks. And, and he could read a dog. And they said the same thing years ago, Duff, about a bloke like Bart Cummings. He could look yeah. at a dog, at a, at a horse at a yearling sale and say, I'll take that because I can see something. And not every trainer, no disrespect to every trainer we've got, not everyone has that eye. Yeah, absolutely. And... Uh... Just touch on Mini now, um, Ron, because uh, it came out that, you know, John's been crook for quite a while. Um, Mini didn't want him to go into palliative care and has done an amazing job over the last few months caring for him to make sure that he was comfortable at home before his passing. And um, what a formidable team they've made over the last few years, though, since they've been training together um, Many a good dog's come through, and you look at the recent years, uh, Poco, Dorado, Poco Dorado and that litter, uh, Veloce Nero, Blue Moon Rising, those three absolute superstars, and then in recent years, their association with Team Hallinan. Exactly right, and where the combination was wonderful, Cat, John never liked necessarily the microphones and the media world. He, he just loved to train his dog, sit there quietly on a race night, and that was it. That's where Min grew into that world of being interviewed and she handled the media side. She knew how important that was to the broad spectrum of the sport. And so in the end, it became a great combination. And uh, again, you could tell her pride every time there was a group race on and they stood at that dais. Her name might have been in the race book on occasions as a trainer, but she knew deep down where the first lot of guidance come for that particular dog and many others. And not only are the family and everyone very sad today, I know it sounds probably corny, Cat, but the dogs on that property, they will feel it as well because there's a regular face you see every morning in a routine. Someone walks out the back and a door opens. They know what's going to happen. This man's going to walk me or put me on my walking machine, go to a trial track, going to be fed. They, they sense something is missing. And, you know, the dogs will even notice it, as strange as that may sound. It's part of a whole operation in a family life and a property life that is missing as of this morning. You're right, Brian. It's, it's a combination or a team, if you like. And many, uh, so good with the media, you know, we've had her on the show 
many many times and always terrific with her time even when you know john john was sick but and you said the the thing that set john aside was his eye but there must have been something else the way that uh that he trained them to be so good for so long you, you can look at them and, and pick them out but there's a lot more to it than that and certainly and i think one of it honestly daff is the ability to how do I say it? the feel of a dog with a muscle or a leg? They, there's a few trainers over that period of time, and again, it happens in the other codes that someone can, you know, feel the dog and just go, look, that's not quite right, and and you know that that sort of thing just adds that little bit to a, a to a dog's performance and just the idea of it. When you walk to the boxes, and particularly if you look at a daff, and you'd understand it very well, that in that first era of John's training. It wasn't the prize money you race for. The punt was what it was all about. It was the bookmaker mm. world. Like that was massive. And the John Finn Kennel, when I used to have the privilege of doing the, the prices for the um, away rooms for the trots and, and dogs in the through the nineties. And you could tell when John Finn knew his dog was gonna run well, the money was on. And yeah. that was a big part of racing in that era. It's dropped off a little bit to some degree now from the respective kennels because we just heard Tony's Zammett they're racing for a million dollars you don't have to have hundred dollars on JSJ you can keep that in your pocket and run for the big purse yeah, um, that's true. in that era and so you had to place your dog if you're going to bet obviously to win and mm. so your timing had to be right you had to understand what box the dog was best from and everything like that plus you had to understand the opposition and there's no point you saying well I can win this race well hang on the other dog is six lengths quicker than me You've just got to know everything about the dogs around you, plus your own dog. And Jay Finn was one man that ticked every one of those boxes. And, you know, again, a, a bit of a an old used phrase now, but I, I used it on Facebook to someone last night, and Greg Miles used it when Maccabi Diva won her third Melbourne Cup. A champion becomes a legend. Today, that's exactly what it is with John Finn. A champion trainer becomes a legend. And I guess... Over the last four, three or four years, or a little bit longer, his association with the Hallinans, and you, you, you just gauge the respect that punters, etc., have for the Finn name. When you'd see a zipping dog in first starter uh, with the Finns as trainers, invariably favourite, invariably hard to beat. Exactly right, and it's one of those things. If anyone ever done the stats, you never see a Finn dog go into the boxes at twenty-five to one. The no. stay-at-home punters. And even those during the COVID period when they were all betting regularly, they would have just looked at a field. They might not have known a dog in the race, Daff, but they would have seen yeah. Jay Finn and they go, I'll throw me money on. And no different than what they did with the horses over time and that sort of thing, and they probably do it today with Sue Waller or something like that. But you do, the name is so respected that you just go, well, my money's comfortable with this. And one of the dogs we also mentioned, Irinka Barbie, uh, pertinent to also mention as well that... Um, that greyhound was owned by Jack and Marie Smith. And, of course, uh, Jack is the nephew of John Finn. And uh, Jack's been very vocal in the past how much he actually learnt from John. And Jack, of course, is now one of the leading trainers here in New South Wales, uh, stars like Feral Frankie and Palawa King in recent years. Um, and I also read something uh, yesterday as well, Ron, on uh, their association with Team Hallinan and when they decided to get dogs with the Hallinan family a few years ago, they actually rang around to the other trainers that were training for Team Hallinan and just sort of made sure that they weren't going to throw anyone offside by taking dogs for the Hallinan family. And uh, I guess that really sticks to mind as well. Um, aside from 
what he did with the dogs. Uh, John Finn was a gentleman and uh, didn't want to put anyone else off and um, also helped develop a lot of trainers as well. Oh, 100%, Kat. And one of the things, like we all know that on a race course, there's always plenty of critics. Everyone will want to bag someone if they get an opportunity. But I can tell you in my time, I have never heard anyone say a bad word against John Finn. His ability as a trainer, the way he dealt with the dog, number one, the way he dealt with his owners, everything was done basically independently, first class. It was just out there in front. If there was an issue, we solve it, let's move on. And there was ne never any mud to the training ranks as far as John, Wynn was con John Finn was concerned. It was just... And even coming to Wentworth Park, he was quiet. He sat in the same chair, and I've got to be honest, I respect that we probably have a moment's silence on Saturday night and I'm nearly going to turn the chair upside down that he regularly sat in, that so no one sits in it. It's, it's, he's with a group of people normally up until a few months ago. He'd sit with the Drynans, Kerry and Doreen, Jeff Collison, a couple of regular punters, Barry and Sam. They'd all sit on the one table together. And it's just part of going to the race meeting. You see those people. It's one of the reasons why I love doing it every week. You, you don't have to talk to them every day to be you know, mates with. You just they're part of your life for that three hours on a Saturday, and you talk about everything. You know, John's eldest son Brett. He's same age as my boys and my twin sons, and they all played football together 25 years ago in a competition at Forbes. I had no idea until this kid Brett Finn ran out in the in the team, and uh, I said to him, "Brett, are you related to a bloke called John Finn?" And he said, "Yeah, I am. He's my dad." And uh, <laughs> that sort of thing, it just brought us in closer and closer all the time in our own way. And, you know, there's not enough letters in the word respect to what I have of John Finn. Well, Ron, I unfortunately didn't know John. Uh, obviously, I knew of him. Um, but everything that I've seen, heard, read over the past two or three days just endorses what uh, the, the picture that you've painted of him, the man himself, and how good he was with Greyhound. So... Uh, it's a sad day. Um, unfortunately, we knew it was coming. I guess all we can do now is uh, live on the memories and, and wish Minnie and the rest of the Finn family and friends, etc., all the very best. And the one great thing about the whole world of racing, Daff, is in these moments, everybody rallies to assist. So the dogs tonight on that team, whether Minnie's involved with them or not directly, someone will be walking them, someone will be feeding, someone will be trialling tomorrow. They'll be racing within the next week. And John would be wanting that, that the business continues for the moment. What happens in 20 years' time? Well, that's another side of it. But currently, it'll be business as normal for everybody. And, you know, we can only look back and, and just say thank you to John Finn for everything he's brought to the sport because, uh, and particularly six years ago when we were upside down with a certain thing that happened, and he rallied so strong. He turned up all the time. He was there to make opinions. And uh, we owe John Finn a hell of a lot for... Uh, Greyhound Racing, literally going around you know, every day this week. Well, thanks for your wonderful words this morning, Ron. It is a sad time, um, but as I said, all the very best to, to many and the rest of the Finn family, and no doubt his legacy will live on and on and on. Yep, God bless them all, and again, thank you, Daph. Thank you, Kat. Thanks, Ron. Yeah, it's, uh, it's finishing on a sad note, um, Kat, but uh, what, what, a, what a history John Finn has had or had in Greyhound Racing. Absolutely. Um, obviously, being relatively young, I missed all of those champions from those early days. But um, I've known John and, of course, Minnie over the last few years and have nothing but respect for 
everything that they've managed to do with the collar and lead. And as Ron said, no one would say a bad word about John Finn. So, yeah, definitely a legend of the sport, an icon, and he's going to be very sadly missed. Thank you for those kind words, Kat. All right, well, that's going greyhands for another week. We've chewed up a little bit of time today, but I think it was important to uh, talk about John and, and the legacy that he leaves behind. So many champions down through that uh, 40-odd years. So all the very best to that kennel, uh, whatever happens going forward. Thanks for your time this morning, Kat. Uh, we'll do it again next Tuesday. Looking forward to it.